Excuse me. Uh, sorry. Whew. Well, uh, that's uh, some evil laughter. You're listening to the Evil Podcast of Evil, Episode 7, where we're talking about Dr. Horrible's sing-along blog. Who's us? Well, it's me, Tyler Boudreaux, and my co-host. Condra Boudreaux. And our very special guest from Bat Minute. Mr. Niall McGowan, thanks for coming. Oh, thanks for having me. Uh, have, thanks for having me, guys. Like, I, I was a, I'm still distracted by a very funny joke you told just before uh, we started recording there. Oh yeah. Hope we didn't. Sorry, yeah. Overlap into the intro there, but I got, that was particularly uh, yeah. hilarious. I like to keep all the jokes on record, but sometimes <laughs> you just can't. Sometimes you say funny things outside of a podcast, and you're like, "Damn, I wish I was recording a podcast right now." <laughs> That's why, Tyler, you need to start living where you're recording all the time. You get the the Prince at Paisley Park treatment, just like every room wired for sound. Just so at, at any point, like if you're on the toilet, you're just like, wait a minute. I just had some new <laughs> thoughts about Goodwill Hunting. And then just like instantly you go with it. <laughs> I'm always thinking about Goodwill Hunting. <laughs> just rewatched Big Fish, so I've been trying to assort in my head all of the ways in which Big Fish is a, an adaptation of the Odyssey. Yeah. Ooh. It's very interesting. Um, anyway, we're going to talk about Dr. Horrible's sing-along blog. Are we? Um, the the segment the segment of the web series that runs from 20 minutes, 5 seconds to 25 minutes, 5 seconds. Uh, Niall, this is probably one of the bigger chunks in the whole show that you're that you're getting. How, how honored do you feel? Oh, like that, the thing is, like, at one point I was like, oh, like, you know, any point of this, of this series is, like, good because I think it doesn't have any bad minutes or anything during it. But I was a bit like, oh, I get like one of the sad songs. Like it's not, like, <laughs> you know, it's not like so they say, where it's like really peppy and gets you going and stuff. But then at the same time, this yeah. does also have like probably the most iconic line from the whole thing, and my personal favorite line from uh, from the whole thing as well. So I can't complain awesome. about the about the the chunk I've been given. Let me guess, it's you have a PhD in horribleness. No, no, it's a. My favorite, my favorite line is, is mostly just in the delivery, but it's just uh, the thoroughbred of sin. Uh, I just think that's that's just gold. <laughs> I meant Gandhi. That is also one of my favorite moments. I think I've actually have in the past like responded to like something where I, I can't quite hear what people are saying. I have said to them the thoroughbred of sin, like <laughs> just to see what kind of response <laughs> response that will elicit. But that's amazing. <laughs> The things I know they do mention it technically before in the song, but the fact that like, clearly one of the writers was just like, we have to highlight the fact that Bad Horse is also known as the thoroughbred of sin outside the song, just in case people don't catch it like the first time around, because it's just that cool a term. So, uh, but yes, yeah, I'm very happy to I'm very happy to talk about any of this thing, but uh, but yeah, there's some some quality stuff going on in here. Yeah, Niall, I guess I mean the the starting place for us is you is always. Um, What's your past with Doctor Horrible? When did you first see it? What are your thoughts on it? Uh, well, I, I was like I did, um, like saw it just back back in the day. Actually, it was kind of a, a weird bit of a um, you know time time is a flat circle, as they say. Because uh, <laughs> remember this, like been really heavily into this when it came out and been like obsessed with it. And I have one particular memory of when I was actually moving house, um, like. Uh, you know, everyone had pretty much gone, and I was sort of like one day myself packing up things. And I remember having the soundtrack on and but like singing away to myself with you know unabashedly because like oh nobody else is around. You can you can like roar out brand new day as if like ah oh, so who who's gonna hear you? And then like not realizing that one of my flatmates, Marion, was still actually she was in the house somewhere. I could just hear her coughing in the distance. <laughs> I'm like oh crap, she heard all of that. Uh, and this then I hadn't seen it in years. Um, Rewatched it just to come on to this, and I was like, "Oh, this is really good." I forgot how good this thing actually is. And then, uh, usually in the house I'm currently living in, uh, during the day I do have the place to myself. So again, I was going around this morning singing away, and then didn't realize one of my flatmates this time was off sick <laughs> and just heard her coughing up the stairs. I'm like, "God damn it! What is it? what weird curses are around this film with me, where I just have to like kind of embarrass myself maybe and just have to." Had that awkwardness afterwards when you see the person being like, I hope they didn't hear me. <laughs> like, that would be pretty. Maybe, maybe it's just me being self conscious, but like, I just feel, I would it's... feel slightly embarrassed if someone heard me like singing, like, with wild abandon without me realizing that they were there. <laughs> I think you should just own it. 
Like, really? This is an iconic <laughs> yeah. soundtrack, iconic web series. Just own it. Like, yeah, I'm singing Dr. Horrible. Yeah, what are they going to say? Like, ew, what do you enjoy fun art? Yeah, gross. <laughs> uh, I like the idea of of you like of Joss Whedon content breeding awkward moments. Like, <laughs> it's incredibly you singing it around and you're like, ooh, um, sorry, uh, awkward, oops. <laughs> I will actually say, though, there's a lot of Dr. Horrible in Batman. It's DNA, actually, as well. Uh, like, the show would not be the show that it is without this particular piece of media uh mostly because oh, yeah. i forgot uh, you stole some wonderflonium right well the, the, there was that that was used to power the microphones for the first season yeah uh but no yeah. it was um because as obviously a big buffy fan because i guess i guess everyone was back in the, the 90s and early 2000s but by like season six and seven when it starts going like really miserable all the time i started opting out then <laughs> So I didn't catch yeah. as much of um, you know the the Felicia Day Nathan Fillion seasons. You know I saw the end and stuff because oh, for yeah. Felicia's sake. But uh, so my first real contact with Felicia Day as a as a as an entity um, was Doctor Horrible's sing along blog, and through that I've been like oh I really like her. You know subscribed to her on YouTube and watched the Guild and stuff. But then through YouTube she started Geek and Sundry like that channel, and then that channel yep. had a subsidiary channel for a while called Geek and Sundry Vlogs where they allowed like random new creators to just do video vlogs for them and they were on various topics and there was one every day of the week and from those vlogs uh, i came into contact with uh, three creators it was omar najam kiri Callaghan, and dale kingsmill who did like videos on respective different things and uh when we were getting our guests in the first season of batman i was like i'm gonna reach out to these people and now they're like recurring guests every season and wow. uh like, you know they have like Dale, Dale Kingsman for a while was like the most recurring guest on the show. We had her on a, like a, a bunch. Uh, and then like her and Omar did a, a hiatus episode together on Purple Rain like we did between seasons. It's like one of my favorite nice. things we ever did with Batman and stuff. So like I guess, uh, yeah, the Prince uh, connection is there. Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. Oh, that we reviewed all of Prince's movies. Like there's a it's a drastically sliding scale. Like Purple Rain's like, that's pretty good. <laughs> Whoa! It, goes, it just falls off a cliff straight after that. <laughs> but uh, but yeah, like that, that would not have happened. We would not have these people. We would not have those connects. And we wouldn't. The show wouldn't be. I say it probably wouldn't be as good as I hope that it is. Uh, without Doctor Horrible's sing along blog introducing me to who Felicia Day was, and uh, so I was just like, oh well, it, it's it's all linked back to this thing. Um, we also actually found out last season. Uh, I don't know if you talked to. Uh, Molly Balin, who does Escape from New York Minutes and was on Cabin Minutecast uh, and stuff. I've never talked to her now. I'd only discovered uh, when we had her on the show last season, uh, we randomly brought up uh, Bring It On, like the, yes. the franchise Bring It On. Yes. <laughs> and she was like, oh, you know, I was like the assistant director on one of the Bring It On movies. I was like, no, I did not know that. Like, which one? And she's like, oh, I was Bring It On again. I was like, that's the one with Felicia Day. And she's like, yeah, yeah, I've worked with Felicia Day. I was like, what the fuck? <laughs> and I was like, oh, I've seen an interview with Felicia Day where she said, like, that was one of the worst experiences she ever had in her life. And Molly was like, yeah, yeah, that's, uh, that'd be about right. It, was, it wasn't a very nice set and stuff. But, uh, but she was just saying, like, yeah, she used to, I, I never talked to her that much, but she seemed really nice. And she used to rock around in, like, a little uh, green VW bug. And she was like, yeah, she just seemed really cool just driving around that and stuff. So, but at the time, I was that's just like, awesome. holy crap, you were, in, you were entrenched in the deep, in the Bring It On franchise? That's amazing. <laughs> the, the legendary path. <laughs> Although I think Kirsten Dunn, she jumped ship pretty pretty quickly in that franchise. I don't think anyone ever came back for for any of them. No, uh, but the, you never know. They could have like a bring it on now, and then have it like what she doing? Like oh, she's, she's coming out of want, retirement to teach a new group of cheerleaders or something. I don't know. You're describing the newer movie well, called think... Palms that just ahead, came no. out on DVD, in which. Oh, we don't need. To, oh, we well, we need my pitch, which is um, bring it on, but it's Creed, which actually lines up pretty well based on the race relations of the original Bring It On, uh, <laughs> and the fact that they lose to the African American team, same way Rocky loses mm-hmm. to Apollo Creed. So, the daughter of the Clovers cheer captain has to has to yep. learn how to cheerlead under the tutelage of Kirsten Dunst, and it's just it's just Creed. We'll see if we can get Ryan Coogler on board. I'm sure he would nail it. 
I just imagine though, like Kirsten Dunst have the try to act like, oh yeah, like this cranky old creaky retired cheerleader, and she's like, oh, oh she like thirty four, right? Like, I'm, not, I'm like not going around hobbling on a like a walking stick. I genuinely love this idea like, oh, so much. I can't much. make it up those steps anymore. You know? <laughs> <laughs> it's just like, I'm pretty sure Kirsten Dunst is in pretty good shape, shape for, for her still anyway, quite um, young age. Do we want to talk about Dr. Horrible's sing-along blog, the, uh, the segment of the show? What's uh, that? If, if we must, you know. This is actually like, because um, I guess this was where another song should be, this scene. Because we got to kind of... One of our big scenes with oh, Moist. Oh, yeah, nobody wants to I know be he moist. had a song that's in the commentary musical that's that was cut. But I guess it'll be around here because he's just going to talk about how <laughs> I like... gonna lame me is, basically. Uh, and I'm also now fascinated by the fact that he's wearing <laughs> a state police T-shirt. Is that ironic? Are they indicating that like, Moist like is, when, in fact, like, a policeman? Like if I wore a D.A.R.E. T-shirt around? Like, a... like, no, one... yeah, uh, Niall, you probably don't know what D.A.R.E. is. I'm sorry. <laughs> Condra, do you want to explain... No, no, no idea. <laughs> um, it's this program you have to go through in like fourth and fifth grade, uh, which you're like nine, ten, eleven, and it's basically like an anti-drug yeah. campaign in schools. Yeah, mm. and you're just basically taught drug like drugs are bad. Education, and basically okay. a cop would come into your classroom and tell you not to smoke or smoke marijuana because it would ruin your life. And it was eventually found to have. Uh, n- zero to uh the opposite effect of of its intentions and it was canceled but uh children of our generation kind of grew up in that and they always they give you a t-shirt when you like graduate from it so like the idea of like wearing a dare t-shirt for us and then like going around and smoking weed would be funny if like moist was just he's clearly an evil person he just wears a police officer costume Mm. I also think it'd be funny, though, if he actually was a police officer because his hands are moist and he would not be able to, like, hold a gun. Yeah, he wouldn't be able to do, like, he wouldn't even be able to hold, like, a baton. He wouldn't be able to do much of anything. Or he'd just ruin all the paperwork. Maybe that's what he does is he just ruins all of the police he's paperwork. A, he's essentially a police academy character just in the wrong thing. Like, if they were make, if they were still making those movies, I can imagine them being like, at one point, they would have got to like, well, if we just had like a really sweaty guy who was just like, just made everything moist. And like, that's it, perfect. Right, yeah. five scenes revolved around him and then jam it into a script <laughs> somehow. Yeah, Niall, we were talking about how moist is essentially a Sky High character. Have you ever seen Sky High? Oh, yeah, high? I, love, I love Sky High. Um, anyway, yeah, he's uh, trying to open a jar and he says like, I don't know, Dr. Horrible, kill someone? That, that doesn't, no, that doesn't sound good. That's a, that's a th- can you guys uh, have you identified what he's trying to open? Because whatever it is, I I can't imagine anybody's gonna want to eat it after just having <laughs> like after that. Cause, depending on how long he's been like grappling with that, he you know it's it's probably gonna be warmed up, and then it's just the fact that it's gonna have to go past <laughs> the, you know the 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 exit point where his insanely moist hands have been. It's just like. If it's a pickle or whatever, particularly if he's handing it to you, is this going to be nah? Well, the no, man, I'm, I'm pickle's already pretty salty though. Moist, <laughs> uh, yeah. Doctor Horrible's like, I don't know. Would you kill someone? And Moist is like, I don't know. I'm moist at my most badass. I make people want to take a shower. <laughs> he needs to have more self confidence. I don't know. <laughs> like, even even with a lot of self confidence, like, like a moist guy coming towards you is still going to be a bit like. People won't be able to. I don't know if there's a way you can own that. Like it's really going to be like if he still sh- puts out his hand for you to shake it, even if he's beaming with confidence, it's just going to be like, you okay. And it's going to be hard for people to disguise the fact that they're relatively disgusted trying to, you know, have to touch him and stuff. So, I think I think Moist's move would just be hanging out in a hot tub or a sauna. <laughs> if he was like a good manipulator, though, or something. I think that the fact that he's just moist is what bothers me. Like, he's not anything else. Like, Dr. Horrible is, like, smart. Mm. They all have just, like, one thing. As opposed to, like, I don't know, like, Captain America has, like, regenerative abilities and he's super strong, like, super fast, like, super everything. Like, there's additions to him. Plus, he's also, like, a really smart tactical. So, like, if Moist was also, like, super manipulative and, like, malicious... He would actually be like 
you'd shake his hand after you made a really bad deal and you would feel it in your hand from his sweatiness like <laughs> do, do you believe that he has like this is like a mutation like this is like he's he's that that sweaty that it's like you know he, he has no no choice but to try to have some sort of super villain career based on it or do you think that he might just be like an averagely sweaty guy who's just trying to capitalize on it and he's just like yeah he's a bit he's a bit damp that guy because i know some people who are a bit like you get them in a certain room at a certain temperature and they just turn into puddles <laughs> and stuff so i kind of like to think that like he just didn't yeah he's just about average but he's just like no i'm, I'm gonna maybe he is actually going like i am going to own it like i've had a lifetime of people thinking that i'm a bit too sticky and stuff when it's just like it's an average amount of stickiness but He's decided, like, I'm embracing it now. And so that's that's the coda I live by. I want to believe that. Hmm. It's not going to, like, he's, I don't know, he went in, he, like, he went into, a, like, a radioactive sauna or something. <laughs> and now he just... <laughs> <laughs> he was injected with too much fluid. Yeah. <laughs> it could have been, like, that maybe he was, like, actually, like, Billy was doing some experiment and he was just, like, his normal friend. And he's like, oh, I'm going to try to like inject you with some serum that's going to make you like Hydro Man or something like that. And it just made him moist. And he's just like, Billy's managed to talk him down into like, no, no, this is a great thing. Like you, you should, you should be like my sidekick or something. And Moist has just been like, okay, like I've known him for like 17 years, so I guess I'll, you know, I got no other friends. <laughs> I better just sort of embrace it and go along with this guy. I like the idea that his aspirations match the impressiveness of his powers. Like he knows that he's just just moist and he's not trying to be anything more he knows he's a henchman so that's what he does yeah that makes sense plus like in this universe too it seems like oh henchmaning could just be like a like a summer job or like a side gig he's like yeah i got you know i'm I'm working on my own like app ideas and stuff but like i need a couple of couple of bucks <laughs> in my pocket so yeah i go henchman for a couple of guys every once in a while and you know it's 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 it's, it's decent money if you make a good haul Moist also says that uh, Hourglass, who is presumably another evil character, knows a kid in Iowa who goes on to become president that Dr. Horrible could kill. Uh, this is some intel. What do you guys think of that? Is this the first time we've heard about Hourglass? Or is Hourglass mentioned earlier, too, when they're talking about the double date? with? This is the first we hear okay. about Hourglass. I was, I was very distracted as well, because I don't know if you guys are watching like the currently airing Watchmen TV show. But the yeah. nope. like Tim Blake Nelson's character in it is called Looking Glass. Wait, and Tim Blake Nelson is in it? Oh yeah, yeah. And he's um, all right. Maybe I will watch it. Actually, like episode, it's only three episodes in so far, and the first two were like pretty okay. And then the third one gets to like Watchmen stuff where they in- reintroduce old characters, and you're like, oh, here we go. Now, now you've got me intrigued. But um, but yeah, I think his power now is that like he can kind of detect lies and stuff. He has this weird chamber which he brings people into and just asks them a bunch of questions. And he's got this weird reflective mask, and I think it's supposed to be like a cool. looking glass. So they call him Looking Glass. <laughs> but for some reason, when I was just watching that the other day, and then rewatching this, I'm like, oh, Hourglass, Looking Glass. I wonder if there's any connection between that. But then I, I wish Tim Blake Nelson was in Doctor Horrible. That would make everything. Tyler, your obsession with Tim Blake Nelson. What? I don't. I don't see what the problem is. I'm still, he's probably still waiting he's for a, like Marvel to be like, they 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 told me I was going to get to come back to play this big supervillain after that incredible Hulk movie, <laughs> but like, apparently yeah. it's just not happening. <laughs> like, it's like maybe they wanted to get that Thanos guy out of the way, so then the real villain <laughs> was introduced back in the real Tim Blake like, Nelson. Finally, finally, my time to shine. What if what if Tim Blake Nelson, the actor, was the villain? <laughs> He's just, it's just like a meta commentary where he's broken into the Marvel universe, like with some interdimensional <laughs> rift, and he's enacting vengeance. That's the uh, Doctor Strange movie. Yeah. The... Oh, there you go. They've, they've already indicated that it's a possibility that it could happen. But yeah, he's just he's just trying to wipe yeah. out the universe because he doesn't get to be like one of the the major villains in it. And I love <laughs> enough. I'm a big fan of this. You have no idea. <laughs> Tyler, what about Steve Buscemi? I mean, if Steve Buscemi was in. Steve Buscemi, I think this role would also work for Steve Buscemi, but I would like Steve Buscemi in the MCU in general, I think. Yeah, it's a, I remember there was like uh, way, way years back, there was rumors that Buscemi was going to play the Hulk 
Or at least, well, he's going to play Bruce Banner at one point. But that was like a real. What? That would be great. Yeah, that, that was like way back, like pre MCU days, though. That was like when there was just, you know, hints on the wind that there might have been an Incredible Hulk movie coming. Uh, maybe three or four years down they the went line. With Eric Cabana instead. Yeah, yeah. I think it was like way before like they would have considered going to Ang Lee. But there's always like, oh, well, you know, they're saying that much like they did with like Channing, Channing Tatum as Gambit, where that was just an idea that was in the air, and then they tried to make it happen, and just that ah, just never kind of came together. But uh, I, I do remember like the well, actually with um, Neil Patrick Harris as the Riddler. There's always a lot of talk about Neil Patrick Harris playing the Riddler on the internet. That was just a thing that people wanted. And I guess that now it's just yeah. not going to happen because they already cast the Riddler for this new one. <laughs> but um, it would have been a good choice, actually. But at the same time, quite distracting because you'd be like, it's Dr. Horrible playing the Riddler. Like, what's, what's you know, you could be, if he played it with the same kind of smug egomania as well, like, it could have been just like, this is too, this is too reminiscent of, uh, of past glories. Yeah, Doctor uh, Neil Patrick Harris could kind of play any Batman villain, I, and I wouldn't really like bat an eye. He seems like he would nail no, no matter what. I don't what. know about Joker though. Yeah, I guess. I, I, yeah, you get you. Yeah, Joker is a, a, a tougher one to sell, but I think he could do it. I, I just don't. We, I just don't want to see another person in Joker makeup. Oh, that's, yeah, that's yeah. Po- post Joaquin Phoenix, it's just kind of like. Now gearing up for this, like, oh, Robert Pattinson's a Batman movie. It's like, I, if, if he doesn't fight the Joker until, like, movie six, I'll be happy because I don't want to see that freaking <laughs> character again. This is like, oh, my, you know, that, you know how many villains Batman has, right? He's got, like, a million of them. Why do you keep coming back? Why have you got two different versions of the same one in, the, in your current freaking <laughs> universe? But, um, although, dude, you have to wonder, like, what, what the, like, the cultural thing is where... I would say Doctor Horrible itself was kind of like the beginning of that. Um, not so much a trend, but you know the the idea of like, well, we made a thing all about the villain instead of the hero this time. Like, take a classic thing like, you know, this has been around the time like Mega Mind came out and oh my gosh, uh, like Maleficent and uh, but the you know leading up to like, oh, what if we made a movie about the Joker like? That people people might go to see that, and it turns out yes that yes they would. Uh, I just want like, what and point of like society got to like what what was triggering an interest in people of like oh it wouldn't be an interesting instead of following the well if it turned out the hero was actually a bit of a dick, and the villain was the the the, the character we followed the whole time. Yeah, I, I think that's definitely well. I mean, uh, westerns have done that for a long time, and then kind of the questionable morality of comic book characters is something that's kind of entrenched in your Batman lore uh, definitely more in the later years I know he started as a more generally beneficent character and then I guess stuff like Watchmen too raises up that kind of moral dilemma and then it isn't until Joss Whedon comes around in 2008 with his take of like okay let's like let's make this like kind of like comedic Spider-Man archetype character, except he's the bad guy and he wants to get the girl and she kind of gets in his way of doing evil. Mm. And then there's the hero who's, who would be the villain. And yeah. And now, now that kind of turns into your (laughs) breaking bad uh, type character. And then we get stuff like the Joker and then, yeah. Mm. That is a, it's an intriguing thing as well of like, but particularly in like the post Joker controversy, where you always kind of wonder if like audiences are responding to the things like, the way they're supposed to be responded to. Like people are you know blaming Joker like oh it's in, it's inspiring and sort of um, you know egging on incel violence and, and stuff like that. And you know, if you watch the movie at the end, you're like I don't think you're supposed to have any aspirations to be this guy. <laughs> like he's he's got a pretty pathetic life, and then a bunch of crap happens to him, and it's like. He goes down an unfortunate route, and you know, like Doctor Horrible. I've seen people like try to like criticize it in terms of like, um, you know, again, almost because you could say Billy, you know, nowadays if they made this, they might you probably get called like an incel and, and things like this. You know, oh yeah, we've been talking about that yeah. a lot. We're not we we don't we haven't cast any like negative criticisms on Doctor Horrible mm. because of the the modern the modern value 
like changes in perspective, mm. but we've just been talking about how interesting it is to watch now in this kind of like domestic terrorism. Well, I, I would say like the uh, it, it's, lens. it's like at, at the end of the of the thing, like the, the 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 moral of the story is that like again, crime didn't pay for this guy. Like everything works, ev- nothing oh, yeah. works out for for Billy. Like he gets what he wants, but he doesn't. Like it's at the cost of everything else. So at the end of this, is like if he hadn't oh, yeah. gone down the. The, the, the toxic route of just acting out of anger and, you know, like sort of em- embracing sort of like a, a lot of negative attitudes. Like, you know, it, it we see later on in this, you know, chunk that uh, once, you know, the, the thing that really makes him snap is Captain Hammer claiming ownership over Penny and stuff like that is like and him, his intense jealousy of, of that, you know, all leads to, you know, the one thing that he genuinely really does want and you know, sadly taken away from them and, and stuff. Like, like, I think it's a real condemnation of, of that kind of uh, behavior. So I'd, I'd say it would still come out, like, as, as morally okay to, to, to be like, oh, no, the, the lessons of this uh, imparted by Dr. Horrible are, are still, you know, they're, they're still acceptable in 2019. But I'm sure you guys yeah, you'll I get to it's... that <laughs> later on in the show, I'm sure. Yeah, yeah, I and I agree with you wholeheartedly. I think it's just more like the empathy we feel towards Billy as as the show goes on changes when like he's stalking a girl. We're like we're not we're less like oh it's cute. He's like he's stalking her. We're like this is very weird and concerning. He's stalking her. How likable is Billy in episode yeah, one? Yeah, <laughs> it's also true. Like I would say that like. Um... Because from his first interactions with Penny is like she seems like she's very uh, open to talking to him, and he because he's wrapped up in doing evil deeds, like he's distracted by trying to rob that van and stuff. And then like you know, so that that again, that there you go, that's a negative right there. If he had just taken the time to actually talk to her instead of being distracted while you know doing something illegal and to you know make himself this glorious supervillain to, to boost his own ego and stuff. Then he could have actually had a relationship with her begin before Captain Hammer even came into the picture, and like yeah, things like him stalking her and stuff like as a result of all that, it's kind of like well yeah, this is inappropriate behavior, and it's like it's it's not leading to anything good because all he has to do is be open and honest with her, and you never know like I always kind of got the slight vibe with Penny that by had she survived, she probably would have broken it off with Captain Hammer and maybe actually because she's growing closer to Billy. And you can see the, the 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 slow dawning on her that like this Captain Hammer guy, I, it's, this this is not my kind of guy. Like he, I think he might be a bit of an asshole, but um, but so so yeah, I think I think you know, again, it might still be on the the, the right track with that technically, but um, I, I always like to think that these things are uh, trusting the audience to know that like you shouldn't be following people around with fake mustaches in soup kitchens like, and spying <laughs> on them and stuff because that that ain't cool. Yeah, I think it's just this idea that Dr. Horrible is, if anything, was predictive of this kind of internet trend that we're interested in and how how ahead of its time it it was. Mm. Yeah, look, I guess, you know, Josh um, Whedon was a guy who, like, he got he got ran off Twitter and all at, at, at one point, I believe, through uh, through seeing, you know, backlash to this and that. So um, I think he's a guy who was well aware of what the modern people, uh, modern sort of nerds, I guess you'd say, or, or like maybe he could see the writing on the wall of like where, where culture was going uh, and people, you know, like ang- angry men taking ownership of things and whatnot. Because uh, the, there, there, there is in itself a, like a commentary on the way that the, because some people would say that like Penny is a character. It's like, oh, she's only like a prize to be won and, and stuff like that. Like, isn't that a negative thing? But then at the same time, the the series makes a joke of, of that in the fact that even after her death, she's referred to like, oh, what nation mourns, what's her name, and stuff like that. So it's kind of pointing out the trope <laughs> of like fridging. It's like, well, yeah, she, you know, to the people, she's like, oh, she was only really a plot trope, even though, as we see like later in this chunk, like she gets a really nice song and stuff, and there's a hint of a, a real character and stuff in there, but it's just like brushed off by, you know, the people... It, the people within the, the universe of the show, and um, you know, within the the uh, cl- cliches of of the of, of the origin story of a supervillain and stuff, but uh, but oh, you know, that's 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 up for debate with people, I suppose. Yeah, Condra, I want to hear your thoughts on um, 
Dr. Horrible's kind of stance on killing people. Do you think that lines up with anything or? I think it gets back to our earlier, uh, our conversation last week about Billy accidentally comparing himself to Pi and having that different, that same layer underneath the middle layer. And that, like, ultimately (laughs) he is Billy. And you see that come out a lot in this. And it's very interesting because he's like, I don't want to kill. Like, I'm not going to kill a kid. I'm not going to smother an old lady. Like, those things. He has this grandiose, like, vision about being an evil villain. Like, he saw it on TV when he was a kid. And he's like, wow, I want to be just like this, like, it's almost kind of like a, a the head Bond villain where they're kind of grandiose and... I, w- I even want to say like esoteric and that they're they're just like lofty and may I even compare him to Lucifer himself in which like a fallen angel type <laughs> like well no because like he is he very rarely sh- has yet to show truly villainous he's a petty thief yeah and he's been bullied a bunch I mean, there's definitely still, like, his intent and insane aggression towards, and, and, like, ambition towards being a supervillain. And then also the stalking of Penny and just his, like, all of his just fixation on Penny and, like, she should be mine and intense jealousy. It's, it is a little concerning. He does have, I think his his main main form of villainy up until, you know, the end is that he does have that I'm a nice guy, I'm entitled to these things attitude. Like, because you do see that he does have consideration <laughs> for the, he, like, he, within this chunk, like he has a first aid thing behind him. There's a kind of wholesomeness to like, oh, it's, you know, safety concerns and whatnot. And uh, I guess a first aid thing for family, it says specifically as well. So it's indicating like there is, you know, a, there's, a, there's a capability of this guy, he, like, under the right circumstances, he could have been a very nice, loving person and whatnot. But he just seems to have been that, um, you know, turned into that sort of modern version of, you know, of uh, what, you, you see, what you see kind of frequently complained about online now. Like, yeah, the sort of an entitled, ent- entitled, privileged white man, basically, who's a sort of... I wasn't going to say it. <laughs> <laughs> but does it, that, you know, yeah, it's... that's kind of what they're going for, at least. Like, he does have a, the, the, the traits of, like, you know, he feels that before he, he loves Penny before he even talks to her. But, like, and then when he does talk to her, like, you know, obviously they fall further in love and stuff. But, uh, well, he, but, like, it's kind of like he does have a little bit of, like, I'm attracted to this person, I should... Like, it has a kind of... Some of the things he says are kind of, like, a bit too ownership-based, basically. And uh, it just has all to these... Like, he doesn't seem to even really almost understand her in a lot of ways. Like, you know, when you get to, when you guys get the brand new day, like, he's sort of like, oh, her tears will dry when I hand her the keys to a shiny new Australia. Like, that'll impress her. Whereas if you listen to anything Penny says, like, I'm pretty sure she's not going to be attracted to a guy who has taken over the world and is offering her an entire continent. <laughs> you know, it's, that's not the type of person she is. But in his head, he's just like, well, like, I want her. I'll do this thing. They'll make me look like a big shot. And there she'll, she'll have to like me and, and, and stuff like that. Rather than, you know, again, the first time they do interact, he barely even listens to her. Uh, he's completely distracted. And then he, you know, when she's asking about the petition, he kind of belittles her. Like he's, you know, to use a modern term, he's kind of mansplaining the whole problem to her. Like, well, you're treating a symptom and all this sort of <laughs> business. So um, for, for, like, for a, a, you know, a, a series that's like 11 years old now, it's actually quite, it's quite current in terms of like, if it was made nowadays, they would try, probably try to emphasize these points like more apparently. But um, I, th- I think it's still kind of quite, quite relevant in the, in our in our modern culture. Yeah, Condra, I love it when the guest doesn't even have to like we don't even have to lead the guest to that conclusion. They just make yes. it on their own. <laughs> Has this whole thing been like a honey trap where you're like, we're trying to convince everybody that this is the point of Doctor Horrible. So we just invite people on one at a time and set set the, the clues in place there so they they get to that the conclusion themselves and like, wait a minute. I think this might be, well, it's this like might the, be about this, and then you just like shut the it, door, and you're like, "That's it, that's another one." <laughs> gotcha. Um, well, no, it's the idea that like, 
like what is like what is the meaning of a like what is the meaning of a piece of art can the meaning of a piece of art change over time and still be good in in the same ways and all that all that kind of idea and i think that's what any film analysis is doing and we're just doing that here and just talking about the ways it's changed over the last 11 years and in a lot of the ways it's still that same thing we loved and in a lot of the ways it has so much deeper meanings now than it did before and that's what makes it so worthwhile to examine yeah yeah, totally i do want to bring up an important point though about penny in her song yes well let's transition from uh dr horrible's Mm. lair to i will also say one of my other favorite line deliveries in the whole thing is uh billy is like do i even know you like that (laughs) i think that that is uh that is brilliant i also like moist yes is that your catchphrase now? Oh yeah, yeah. Is that the catchphrase? I was trying to think. Like the thing is, though, because like uh, the PhD in horribleness is terrible. But I was like, what would be better? Like I have a doctorate in horribleness, but then that's just. I wrote my dissertation about horrible. horribleness. Well, the thing with the word horribleness is, uh, if horrible is an adjective version of the noun horror, then adding the ness to the end is is just making it worse yeah. so if, it, if he said i have a phd in horror would that work i mean that that's sounds a like he's different like a, thing yeah he's more of like, a so like he sounds a, like wes craven are you like a literature student or like what like, like gothic horror like what <laughs> kind of horror do you have a phd in yeah or, or right, you could Conjure. be like what you, what is your take on penny's song oh, sorry, so i was just uh I was just no. trying to think like you could you could work in that old joke of like you know I've got a PhD I'm a pretty horrible dude and like that was yeah. <laughs> oh no <laughs> so Penny's song it's supposed to give so so I have this ongoing theory that Penny is the only good character in this but in her goodness she is the completely flat character and actually has no attributes to her. And again, this is reiterated because all her song is is a bunch of cliches and she's like, oh, I was never, I never fit in. I was lonely. I wasn't important, but it doesn't matter because other people have it worse, which is like a good thing that I think people should intentionally work on is like recognizing your position in the world. It helps reduce entitlement and like self-import but at the same time if she's like neglecting her own happiness because she's like oh yeah i don't have it as bad as this person that's like this really vicious cycle that i think i mean i'm guilty of doing this too it's this thing that i'm like penny still has no character (laughs) i mean i have a kind of a combination of your and niall's take condor it's like i think she does have a character i think her i think her goodness is like, like we talked about the kind of alignment chart of them where she's lawful good, um, Hammer is lawful evil, and Dr. Horrible is uh, chaotic evil. Where she, like, her her nature is what makes her naive in, in such a way that it's her tragic flaw. I, th- I, uh, I, think, and, I think maybe... Like, I, I'd like to think there's, like, there's a bit more depth to her. They just can't go into it because... You know, the it's Joss Whedon? Yes. Well, yeah, there's that. And then just maybe the fact, like, oh, we had to keep it a certain length. And it's, well, at the end of the day, it's not actually about her. It's about Billy and stuff. But, like, I th- it could also just be from Felicia Day's performance that, like, there's a hint of, particularly within this song, that, like, you know, Penny did have a horrible life. And for whatever reason, she reached the point where she decided, like, no, I'm going to look in the opposite direction so instead of what everything you know she is like the opposite of like the inverse of billy and the fact that like everything that happens happens to him he gets ground down and more resentful and more angry about it and he's like and you know particularly at the end of this which sets him off the the path to true super villainy is just you know out of pettiness and jealousy and whereas like she goes the opposite way like if something happens to her she chooses to go like oh you know that other people have it worse and you know like every drop of rain will make the seeds grow and all this like all that kind of cliched stuff um and also like appreciate as a just in the fact that like she is again the inverse of captain hammer in that like he is all glory all glory hogging constantly self-aggrandizing and at the end she is the only person doing anything vaguely heroic in this and she's fact she's selflessly trying to help people and at the end of the day she's just remembered as what's her name and you know she just kind of quietly dies off in the corner while like the supervillain gets his glory day 
and the uh, you know she's she's kind of forgotten and, and whatnot. Um, but I, I like to think that, yeah. that you know there was you know if they had more time maybe they would have done more with her. But um, again, you know I, I I'm saying this like as a as a guy watching it who's just like well you know if, I, I, at least I'm represented in this thing properly by the fact that there's like two male <laughs> lead characters. So um, uh, maybe my uh, my uh, my opinion wouldn't be quite on the on the level uh, on that one yeah condor i agree that uh penny like her character exists only to like in uh influence and like encourage the male characters but i i but in in like a manic pixie dream girl manic pixie dream girl kind of way but i i do think she has a little bit more depth but we never but, see yeah. any motivate like it's she's good for the sake of good she's there's no motivation. Yeah. There's no, you don't find out, oh, maybe she had to live in a homeless shelter. Like, that's why she's so supportive of them now. And, like, she's gotten fired from jobs. That's literally all we know about. Like, we know she works for Caring Hands and she's been fired from a few jobs. That's it. And yeah, she, I, I think... she dates Captain Hammer because he saved her life. And that's very, like, life debt-esque, which is really <laughs> uncomfortable. Or or there's an interesting aspect of like, well, is she like really into him, or like, is does she just kind of is she getting duped by him? Like, what? There's an interesting thing uh, that, there. That but yeah, her, you're right. Her attraction to Captain Hammer is the fact that like he did a heroic thing. He's she's like, oh, so this guy's out, like he's like me. He's like out trying to save people, and like he's this celebrated hero. And then as as it goes on, you know, she is slowly realizing more and more that like. Oh, he's not like me at all. Like she has a kind of constant self denial, but because she's so carefully, recklessly, almost optimistic, and the fact that she was like, "Oh, you know, I guess he's pretty okay," and, and and stuff like that. And you can even see like when as he's doing, everyone's a hero. Like her facial expressions are just like, "What is this guy talking about?" and stuff. So, um, like I, 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 I think that's where her relationship. Like again, I, I do feel that like had she lived and had Billy not attacked the the opening of the of the thing. Um, the she she probably would have broken it off with Captain Hammer and maybe hooked up with Billy at some point, but it's just because she has this reckless optimism that is you know it's it's that is what you're saying, Sean. It's perfectly true. It's just like why why is she why are these her motivations? No idea. <laughs> but and the clicheness of her lyrics is something I hadn't realized before, Condra. I'm re- I really like yeah. While they're kind of interestingly written and sung, like the. The flow of the poetry is nice. The depth There's, is not yeah. there. Um, also, her ending statement. I mean, I think the ending statement of it's like Captain Hammer's always saying dot, dot, dot. That basically sums up the whole thing in that she didn't say anything there either. He doesn't say anything. Like, she suddenly realized, she's like, oh, crap. There is hmm. no depth to anything. Yeah, yeah. I, I was also kind of took it to, like, yeah, everything she's saying is... You know, they're they're old kind of cliches that have like been, you know, watered down over time and stuff. And like maybe these are things that she was, you know, because she is always trying to look to the bright side. That she does keep constantly saying to herself in order to make her, you know, like no, just pick yourself up and keep going and stuff like that. Uh, but there is a, you know, the whole song's got a real sad tinge to it. So it's an indication that like maybe a lot of this sort of like bravado put on face of like oh no, you keep your head up and all this sort of stuff is masking a deep a deeper loneliness and a deeper sadness that she's just like trying to hide behind, you know, doing acts of charity and, you know, this sort of well, yeah, just trying to keep trying to keep a smile on your face and all this sort of uh, stuff. Um well, you know, there's also yeah, you could be right as well. Like is Captain Hammer I can't imagine Captain Hammer saying any of these things though. <laughs> like it doesn't it doesn't seem that the type. Like I I would almost interpret like her saying like she didn't finish her sentence there. She was going to say, like, oh, it's like Captain Hammer's always saying. And then she was trying to think of something that he says as a follow-up statement or something. But, um, of course, we don't, we, we, get neither, we don't get any confirmation of that at all, really. So, My favorite thing that happens during this song is uh, they're sitting on the washing machines. And then she gets up and goes it's sits so on the weird. bench. And then they're just sitting on a bench. It's like Star Wars prequels uh, choreography where it's like, ah, yes, they're sitting here. And then something dramatic happens, so they move, and then they just sit back down again. That'll be fair. Sitting on those machines is gonna be pretty uncomfortable. Like, particularly too, she didn't even have like she was just like 
she was almost in total free fall. Like, she had nothing behind her back. If she tilted back, she'd go flatten her ass, like, off that machine. So I got to understand, no, I'm going to move over to the bench now. Maybe maybe that's why she was sitting on the machine. She was, like, facing that direction. She's like, I'm waiting for a bench to open up finally. Well, they were they were adorably eating frozen yogurt together. I don't know oh, if you yes, noticed. Yes, yes. Because frozen and yogurt. How, uh, how can you be a quirky female character eating frozen yogurt if you're not sitting cross-legged on a washing machine with your pretty dress and your cardigan <laughs> on? Frozen yogurt is a thing that's been completely destroyed by the Good Place now as well. <laughs> like every time you see it, you're just like thinking of that, that that quote of like, oh, you know, frozen yogurt is like such a human thing, and that like it's taking something as as brilliant as ice cream and then ruining it ever so slightly just so you can have more of it. <laughs> Penny kind of mentions that Captain Hammer might pull through to the laundromat, and uh, uh, Billy does two of my two of my other favorite lines, which are, uh, "Look at my wrist, I've got to go." And then Penny says, "But well, what about your laundry?" And he opens up the machine. And he's like, "I don't love these." <laughs> Billy is still there throughout the whole Captain Hammer scene, and then Penny and Captain Hammer leave. Does that mean Billy actually takes his clothes home? Uh. I don't know. I guess we don't get confirmation of that. Well, in this, in this section. section, but then even after, because there's still the continuous question of, is this all in Billy's head? Is this him reiterating it so he would skip over the fact that he did take his laundry home? It's also the yeah. question of if Captain Hammer and Penny are leaving, does she not take home her clothes? No, she does. You see her walk out oh. with her basket. Oh, sorry, sorry. My yeah. Mistake. Billy turns around and he bumps into Captain Hammer and then there's a nice like sound effect bumping sound (laughs) (laughs) that's very amusing just because he just presumably just tapped him on the shoulder but it makes a big thud well maybe Captain Hammer's really dense oh he's dense all right well that's the thing like what I'm sure you guys like you must have talked about like at some point like what, what what's Captain Hammer's story like is he is he literally Superman then is it is his backstory this as similar as that it's like yes he is indestructible Superman guy, or what? But he just wears a t-shirt and gloves <laughs> because the budget's real low. But just, I, just, I really am kind of quite curious if they want to do like a Doctor Horrible prequel. Just where did this guy come from? Like why? What? I think he's more local. So I think the idea that is that they're in like Los Angeles and that he's just kind of the local Superman yeah. type. He's just a kind of. If you went to Cincinnati, there'd be a Doctor. Uh, Captain Hammer equivalent. Okay. Yeah, that, that makes sense. Because I guess because yeah, it's not as if he can like fly and stuff. I guess he's just like, oh, he's pretty. He's pretty damn strong, and like he's not averse to jumping on a van every once in a while. But like maybe if you did put him up with the big leagues, he wouldn't be like all the like. He's, he, he's a you know big fish in a small pond, maybe. But uh, hey, big fish references. Yeah. <laughs> That's what we're doing on this episode. <laughs> Although I'm very curious, like having gone through. You're saying you're, you're, you're trying to. F- find links between big fish and the odyssey that's the because odyssey. of the one-eyed witch and stuff like that i guess so because I, I oh that too yeah uh, no we're making all these connections don't you worry we're, we're we'll get there this will be a, this I'll, I'll have to write a blog post or something I've, 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 maybe because you know the different script writers and stuff that there, there probably could well be stuff in there but like i haven't done two tim burton movies minute by minute where we were going like about things like oh see in the background here they've got like uh, and the the costume ball in Batman Returns is a guy wearing the helmet of Mars like the Greek god Mars and stuff and is this a going and he was also the <laughs> uh, the, the gatekeeper between worlds and, like, and we're really going into deep 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 analysis and stuff we're going like it could even be the fact that that's the Flash's original helmet that way back in the day that was the Flash's helmet and stuff. but then knowing Tim Burton it always came back to like. Probably not, though, because Tim Burton isn't that type of guy. <laughs> like, he's just really, like, if you well, told Big, it to him, he'd be like... Big Fish is a novel, I think, so... Oh, well, they, yeah, the, you know, it could be... Like, Might have a, to read the novel. Authorial intent by other authors, right. but he always strikes me... Let's, you know, no let's, offense, I loved him, but, like, he's he does have a real, like, uh, no... Just... He's more on visuals than on uh, background, than on, like, yeah, depth. Yeah, but, um, but anyway, um, <laughs> I don't want to come in and poo-poo in your... Uh, your your big big fish odyssey project in any way <laughs> Condra, any thoughts on um captain hammer's misogynist rant we don't have the time for me to go off on this <laughs> <laughs> it, i think 
there's this like multi-layered thing I deal with because Captain Hammer's, as we said, uh, lawful evil and like people are trying to hit home the point that like the writers are trying to hit home the point that like Captain Hammer's really bad and he's misogynistic and he has like no real morals and his like motivations are really bad and he's incredibly self-import like he has a lot of self-import he's entitled and then we have the underlying demon of Joss Whedon who is also (laughs) also really bad at writing women and like I don't know how much how much the balance is and that's something I like can't figure out in all my like trying to figure out the understory of this because it seems like Joss is really leading the way and he just like brought on these other two writers to kind of help along but maybe with the music more than anything like I don't think the story like the underlying story like I feel like this is a Joss Whedon kind of line or bit and it's infinitely infuriating because I don't know what of it is uh Captain Hammer just like being lawful evil and just gross and disgusting and the worst and what of it is Joss Whedon being all of those things so, I think the entitlement over women in particular, and, like, the treatment of Penny from both of them, I mean, Billy is that kind of individual that's, like, the like the cringy friend zone kind of person that, like... He's a nice guy. I dread to ever meet, and, like, I, I <laughs> literally, like, anytime I see anything about it on the internet, I'm like, why is this person like this? This is actually the worst thing. Why can't you just be like a normal human for five seconds and realize that you don't have import? And then Captain Hammer being like the other, like the other end of it being like actually disgust. I mean, they're both disgusting and the worst. Captain Hammer and Dr. Horrible. In their own unique way. I mean, it it almost kind of reminds me of um, that scene in like the, uh, the, the the OG Disney Aladdin, when uh, like Jafar and the Sultan and you know Prince Abubu, uh, at that point are talking about. I am like, not a prize know, to be won. Yeah, I and mean, when they all kind of like <laughs> looking and guilty, like ooh, that's what we were talking about. Like it is kind of like that a bit. Like you know, the, maybe the text in is trying to make some sort of meta reference to the fact that like this is a trope in these kind of stories. Like, highlighted by the fact at the end that, like, oh, you know, what's Nation Mourns, what's her name, and all that kind of stuff. But it is very much guilty of doing it. Like, both of these characters are, you know, Captain Hammer is very much more egregious in his ownership of Penny. And, like, I'm going to use her just to get to you. Like, I don't even care about her, but I'm going to use her just to get to you because I'm a dick. Um, but then the fact that Billy feels that he has, like, a, you know, it's not so much that he's going to. At, at this point, it's not so much the fact that Captain Hammer might hurt Penny's feelings or in any way. It's just more the fact that, like, I want her, and he has her, and he has angered me and stuff like that. So, so he also has, like, yeah, this horrible sense of ownership about him. Um, I think, I don't know if part of it, too, is living in this internet culture we live in today that I see it more online in in the circles I'm in and just... That it's constantly, there's like burden and pressure and to be honest, fear. Like, what is this world that we are living in and is there any good? Like, Penny's infuriating because she's naive and yeah, no, really, she's gonna get hurt. I think though, like, Penny having to deal with two real figures and her being so fake... It makes it even scarier for just, like, a woman living in society today. Like, to see, like, honestly, I see Billy and Dr. Horrible, like, Dr. Horrible and Captain Hammer so much in the world that I get really agitated by Penny because, like, she's, she's like the first girl that dies in a horror movie. Mm. There's some of that wrapped up in it that she... She's gonna, she, like, she had to die because she was too naive. And yeah, she deserved well, it. No, but that's the world we live in. Well, like, she is gonna well, be the one that's yeah, gonna die. I said that sarcastically, like, according to the, the fake rules of, of the hashtag we live in a society, 
like like she deserved what happened to her like do you yeah know no it sense? does yeah. <laughs> it's just uncomfortable it i mean it's all uncomfortable like the start it's all very real and we yeah we keep talking about incels every week because it's the world we live in right now and like talking about the joker and it's all so real and it's frustrating in some ways because as entertaining as this web series is it's still concerning that like i feel bad for billy when he's like i don't want to kill people and there's this weird like emotional balance and i wonder how much of it is nostalgia and how much of it is my adoration of neil patrick harris and there's just yeah no definitely there's that too but there is a lot going on here and the serious nature of it and like this happens in the real world today and has real consequences for people in their lives and i don't know that kind of stuff just sits on is sitting on me a lot more right now uh, but but anyway um uh what do you guys think of uh captain hammers he's got a hammer cycle and oh, a ham jet so many questions about what 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 is the ham jet <laughs> like what is it just like what shape is it is it a giant flying hammer is it what 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 could it possibly be? <laughs> well, if we have anything to go off the last line, I have a guess of what the jet shape is. <laughs> uh, oh boy! Actually, the one thing though, like um, again, in talking about like what what's Captain Hammer's deal? Because he because he's got he's got a ham jet. So is he like Batman? Has he got has he got millions of like, you know? And an estate somewhere like what but even like lines like like, um, it's just shorthand for he's a generic superhero but like how do you guys take lines like um you know him saying oh do i recognize you from uh from the gym and like oh yeah the gym and he's like oh i don't do it i'm just naturally like this because i've seen some people like doing deep dives on on this thing saying like that's an indication of he actually initially did mean oh i am going to the gym did i see you there and then him going, like, wait, I don't go to the gym as a cover. Like, it's because Penny is a character in contrast to him who's very openly vulnerable about all her problems and stuff. Whereas Captain Hammer would never admit to having to work on himself and things like that. Or do you take it as That's a literal, a like, no, he is Superman and he is naturally just this buff asshole. And he only said that because he knows fine rightly that Billy is Dr. Horrible and he wanted to catch him up by, like, I don't ever go to the gym. I wouldn't have seen you there. Yeah, I think he asks Billy, like, did did I see you at the gym? And he's waiting for Billy to lie and say mm. yes. And so he can be like, well, I don't go to the gym, so how could I have seen you there? I have to, I have to give it to Captain Hammer, like, because he comes across like he would be, because he's so unself-aware of himself, like, of how much of a prick he is. Uh, the fact that he does instantly clock that, like, you know, there's something horribly familiar about you. It's like, I, I kind of wasn't <laughs> expecting him to be able to, to recognize, you know, his greatest, well, not his greatest, Probably just one of many uh, enemies he has, like instantaneously, and to have the game face to be like, I'm not gonna let, let on to him straight away that like I know that it's him. Like he seems like so much of a kind of doofus that he would mess that up somehow. I don't think so though, because earlier we like know that he's following Doctor Horrible's blog because he catches him at the opening of the bridge, and. Bill, uh, Dr. Horrible makes allusions to like Captain Hammer seeking him out and just beating him up. Like I think it's more of a like a fixation on this one individual that he's like he's like that big bad bully in a school that's like I'm gonna just ruin this one kid's life because I'm bigger and can beat him up. Oh, yeah, yeah. Did, like, did you guys get into that? Like what? If the police are following the blog why aren't they arrested this guy? Like, like they seem like, is he such a low threat level that they're like, oh, he's just, he's not going to do anything. He's like a, like a minor fantasist. Like, maybe, oh, yeah, I think he stole some stuff one time, but like, it's not, he's not going to do anything with that. Because it seems like he would be, you know, obviously for the, the, the mechanisms of the plot to work, he can't get arrested. But it would seem like the, the way they're indicating is like, it would be very, very simple to go and round up billy if they wanted to because he's like well he's he's telling us everything in this blog like we know where, when he's going to strike all we have to do is find an ip address for this guy and we're done i mean this is in 2008 though how how much of that was a thing yeah that's true but at the same time like he is 
Billy in himself is also stupid enough to post all these things publicly. <laughs> so, yeah. like, he could have slipped up in any number of ways where there would have been, like, the mildest bit of detective Wait, work would have been if... like, oh, he's over there. <laughs> there we go. <laughs> like, even right now, like, what if Captain Billy... Hammer could be like, Dr. Horrible, I'm taking you in and just grab him and bring him into a police station. But what if Billy recorded his videos and then didn't publish them to like a couple days later? Like, that would be a smart move. Yeah. Like, okay. yeah, I'm going to go steal this thing. And then he doesn't post the video until but after he's stolen it. What if he needs it? it for his ELE credit? Or, yeah, his ELE credits kind of thing. Like, he needs to have it instant so that they can track him so that they- he can become part of the Evil League of Evil. I don't think so. All right. We need to we need to end this episode. Oh, yeah. uh, uh, Captain Hammer says um, he he's gonna he's gonna take Penny because I get what you mm. want is what he says to Doctor Horrible, which I just I find is a as just one of the better written lines, kind of that sums up their entire character relationship. And then uh, our our favorite line of all time um, comes up. Anyone want to tee this one up? Um, yeah. <laughs> Well, he says uh, something about Penny's giving it up. She's going to give it up hard because she's with the hammer. And he holds up his fists and he says, these are not the hammer. He kind of walks away and then he walks back and he says, the hammer is my penis. <laughs> I think at, at, at the time as well, like that kind of joke, like that kind of humor is quite common now, I think, of like, you know, someone saying something and then coming in to clarify it. And that's the joke. But I remember back in like uh, it's very Joss Whedon. I remember like in '08, that was such an unexpected thing for him to do. And I remember that being like hilarious at the time. <laughs> like it still is. It still is very very funny. I think but it, it just it was so unexpected at that point. Like his delivery of it. Like he's oh, think, serious about it. I think it's like yeah, you can never underestimate just how much Nathan Fillion brings to anything. Really, <laughs> like he's like I, I think I've, I've, I've mentioned it on some some show or other, but. Uh, have you guys seen Slither, like the James Gunn movie he was in, like years and years back? Mm-mm. No. But he has like he's like a like the the local sheriff in it, and the whole thing's about like basically like meteor crashes and people start turning into like horrible blob aliens and stuff. Um, but there's just I remember like howling in the cinema uh, in one moment in it when like he's trying to throw a grenade at a monster like in a house that has a backdoor pool. And like he, he flicks out the the you know the pin finally like he finally gets a hold of it, flicks it back out, and he's kind of lying next to the pool as he does it, and the monster instantly bats it away, and the grenade falls into the pool, and it's just the look on Nathan Fillion's face of like, oh fuck, like just supreme disappointment, and just like I can't believe I did all of that, and nothing came of it, was like it was just. It elevated him instantly within that moment to like one of my favorite actors ever because I was like that is he's doing he's doing nothing but a slight facial expression and it, it says says you know speaks volumes and stuff um, and I've been trying as well to sell him to Mike because uh, my dad's watching The Rookie the new show he's in and like I I, I remember walking in one time and I was like that's Nathan Fillion I didn't know he was in this and my dad been like yeah he's pretty good and then me trying to do like the hard sell on Nathan Fillion to my dad and he's just like. I think you're, you're too into this man, quite frankly. I think you need to you need to back <laughs> off a bit. Yeah, so we love Nathan Fillion. We love Neil Patrick Harris. We love Felicia Day. We don't love their characters. Mm. And yeah, um, so this has been episode seven of the Evil Podcast of Evil. We're gonna we're gonna keep things going in the future. But uh, Nile, thanks so Where much for coming. Where can people find you on the internet? Oh, uh, you can uh, get me through. Uh, we're talking about another slightly more serious uh, superhero franchise, like the Batman franchise. Uh, we're going, you know, one minute at a time, um, much like you guys did with Fantastic Mr. Fox and, and whatnot. Uh, but uh, we're currently uh, mounting, uh, if I can put it that way, uh, we're currently getting ready to release Bat Minute Forever, uh, where we'll be looking at... Rest uh, in peace. <laughs> <laughs> the, 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 I was so thankful that we finally had a guest on who's as well, like in the past week, who was enthusiastic about the film as I am, because I still really, really, really love Batman Forever. I have never uh, seen despite... it, so. Oh, really? Like, oh, I should get you guys guys on just to see, like, as fresh perspective of it, like after, because I think most people coming on are people who are like, oh yeah, I remember that from back in the day, haven't seen it in a while. But for someone who's never seen it to come in to this, 
I mean, I've heard Oddity. horror stories about it, though. Uh, I've heard that it's okay and that it's not, like, b- bad. It's just not as good as the Burton ones. It's not That's as bad true. as Batman and Robin, though. I think it, 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 it gets mixed in with Batman and Robin quite a bit, which is, like, there's... You can see the beginning of the end in Batman Forever. There are moments where you're like, oh, boy, this isn't good. But I have a <laughs> lot of love for it. But, again, it might be a lot of love based around the fact that it, I was eight when it came out, and I was already a Batman. <laughs> so it's like... You were the target I demographic. Was very much so. I don't think anything could change my mind on it now. <laughs> like, if going through it minute by minute, I don't come out the other end going, like, actually, it is terrible. Uh, if that doesn't change me, nothing, nothing will out of... Uh, Died in the world, uh, childhood nostalgia. But as, as you're asking, um, yeah, you can find Bat Minutes on any podcatcher. Uh, I believe we're on Spotify as well. Although I've Whoa. tried several times to Whoa. say, uh, you know, I'll play Bat Minute, and to be fair, Alexa doesn't recognize my accent, so I think that's the problem. But uh, <laughs> we're also on Twitter and Facebook, the Bat Minutes Listeners Cave, and we're on um, they call it Instagram, things like that. Uh, but yeah, I think if you just Google Batman, it will will pop up. We, we should be around there. Awesome, Condra. Where can people find us? They can find us on the Twitter at Amateur Nerds. You can email us at Amateur Nerds Present at Gmail dot com. And they know where to go. Hey, honestly, like if you're at episode seven, you know where to find if us. You're, if you're seventy minutes into this episode, you know where to go. <laughs> Hey, and hey, yeah, we'll catch you next time for the next episode of the Evil Podcast of Evil. I've been Tyler Boudreaux, the podcast king of Chicago. I have been Condra, queen of the night. Niall, oh, you go. Uh, and the hammer is my penis. <laughs> I wasn't too sure if you want. Oh, I'm, I've been Niall from, uh, from that minute. Uh, I didn't have time to prepare a bit. I'm sorry. That's okay. We 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 always forget to tell people to prepare one. But hey, keep it evil, kids. Bye. <laughs> <laughs>